Good morning. It's time to begin service today. Let's stand together. Have you come to bless the Lord? Put your hands together. Have you come to lift him up today? Lord, we bless you in this praise. We magnify you. We glorify you. Let's sing together to the Lord, church. Holy Spirit rain, rain down on us. Holy Spirit rain, Holy Spirit rain, rain down on us. And Holy Spirit rain, rain down on us. Holy Spirit rain, Holy Spirit rain, rain down on us. Like a mighty wind blow through this house. Open up the heavens, pour your spirit out like a mighty wind. Blow through this house. Open up the heavens and pour your spirit out. Rain, Lord. Rain, Lord. Oh, let it rain, Lord. Let it rain, Lord. God Almighty, let your Holy Spirit rain. the Holy Ghost, like a raging fire, burning my soul, baptize me with the Holy Ghost, let it rain, Lord, oh, rain, Lord, oh, let it rain, Lord, rain, Lord, God Almighty, let your Holy Spirit rain. And Holy Spirit rain, make it our prayer today, church. Rain down on us. Oh, Holy Spirit rain. Rain, sing it again. Holy Spirit rain. Holy Spirit rain. Rain down on us. Holy Spirit rain. Rain down on us. Like a raging fire burning my soul. Baptize me with the Holy Ghost Like a raging fire burning my soul Baptize me with the Holy Ghost Let it rain, Lord Oh, let it rain, Lord Let it rain, Lord Oh, let it rain, Lord God Almighty, let your Holy Spirit rain Like a raging like a raging fire, burning my soul, baptize me with the Holy Ghost. Like a raging fire, burning my soul, baptize me, lift it up to Him. Oh, let it rain, Lord. Oh, let it rain, Lord. Let it rain, Lord. Oh, rain, Lord. God Almighty, let Your Holy Spirit rain. Holy Spirit, rain, rain down on us. Holy Spirit, rain, rain, sing it again. Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit, rain, rain down on us. Holy Spirit, rain, rain down like a raging, like a raging fire, burning my soul. Baptize me with the Holy Ghost Like a raging fire burning my soul Baptize me with the Holy Ghost Let it rain, Lord Oh, let it rain, Lord Let it rain, Lord Oh, let it rain, Lord God Almighty, let your Holy Spirit God Almighty, let your Holy Spirit God Almighty, let your Holy Spirit reign. Oh, let's give Him praise, give Him glory, give Him honor. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah, we lift you up. Amen, 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 amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today, folks? 
Amen. So good to see everybody with us this morning. I need to make a few announcements uh, before we get going too fast this morning. I want to welcome not only our crowd today, I want to welcome our Facebook crowd today as well that are joining us today. And um, the announcements that we have to make really quick is for our cancel for the 2019-2020 council members rotation. Um, we are going to be coming off. will be Harry Burgess, Scott Stone, Ernie Tao, and D. Waite. Now, can we please give these guys, they've served with me, some of them for the last two years. One of them is coming off after one year, but uh, they've been so faithful. We've had some good times together. They've done a great job. Could we give them a hand clap today of honor for serving the church? We have some new council members that will be coming on. I know that some are not with us today uh, due to the COVID crisis, but Billy Grant is one of those, James Hooper at the back there, and then Brother Rick Masters. These three will be coming on to serve the church for the next uh, two years. So can we give them a welcome today and a hand clap? And just for the sake of the way that we do things, I need just an affirmation. So I guess I'll say it this way. If there's anyone offended to these three serving, would you please speak now forever hold your peace? All right, we didn't carry any. I'm just playing. All right. Thank you, guys. We look forward to the next two years. It's going to be good. I, I want to thank everybody for supporting our church. Listen, campaign for phase one has been so good. There are also commitment cards on the back. As you walk out on those tables, there are little commitment cards that you can make a commitment each week or each month to give to that. The Lord has blessed us, and so we're able to uh, bring this balance down. Right now, we're sitting at 67.5 before we get that phase one finished. And uh, as soon as we get that finished, we've already got plans and vision for phase two. So let's get it done, folks. Let, God's ready to do things. Let's do it as fast as we can. So if you've supported that, I want to thank you for that today. Continue to do so so we can continue to move forward. Got a few requests I want to give in this morning. I'm going to open us with the word of prayer. Uh, that is for Brother Paul Stevens. Some of you may know Paul's not doing the best in the world. He's really had a struggle. He's very weak right now. So be in prayer for Paul. Also for Miss Pauline. She's also been feeling uh, not as well lately. She's with us today, Pauline. It's so good to see you. Can we welcome Pauline back? So good to see you today. I... Also for Hayward Byers, uh, that's Diane's husband. I've uh, been struggling with some cancer and so needs prayer that God will continue to touch and heal his body. Let's pray for the continued blessings of God on our church. For those that have coronavirus, I know family members. I also know friends that have it. And so let's be in prayer for them that God would bring healing and strength to their bodies as well today. Could we stand and, and go to God in prayer today together? Father, I want to thank you for this service. I want to thank you for your blessings. I want to thank you, Father, that with you all things are possible. There is nothing, there is nothing that you cannot do. And so, Father, I pray your blessings on this service today as we continue to sing and, and continue to worship your name. Let your Holy Spirit fill this house, flood this place like floodgates of heaven. Open up, let the power of the Holy Spirit... Just pour out on us before we leave this place today. Let us all say it was so good to be in the presence of the Lord. And everybody shouted, Amen. 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 We stand and lift up our hands. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now. How great, how awesome. Sing it again. We stand and lift up our hands. We stand and lift up our hands. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. Oh, we bow down and worship Him now. How great. Sing it again. Look around at somebody and say, the joy of the Lord. We stand. We stand and lift up our hands, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now, how great, how awesome is He, and together we
today, Lord. Just worship the Lord. Worship the Lord, church. He is worthy. Hallelujah. We lift you.
Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you to this praise team today and this fine music. I have a word for us today that I believe is... There, there are pastors that do sermon series and they do it for about, for about um, four or five weeks. And uh, I always wondered, why in the world would you do that? I mean, don't people get tired of hearing the same thing? But I'm learning and through our studies we're finding sometimes that it takes us more than one time to really grasp what's trying to be said to us. I, I guess we can look at it kind of like, anybody ever had children? Anybody ever had children in this church? How many of you said it one time and they were like, yeah, mama, and listened for the rest of their lives? If you did, I need you to give me some training, all right? It just doesn't happen. We just don't do it. And even as children of God, there's times that we have to hear it over and over and over again because we just have to begin to really grasp what God's trying to say to us. And so today you may hear some resounding of what I've already told you last week, but I feel like I need to just go here again. I need to hit it again. Because I feel like that God's wanting to speak to us in a special way today. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 4. As you can see, our title today is going to be Attitudes That Hinder the Harvest. I don't want to be a hindrance to people getting saved. I don't want to have an attitude that would hinder people from coming to Jesus Christ. If anything, I want to help people make it to Jesus. Because I'm telling you today, folks, I want people to make it to heaven. I want to make it to heaven. How about you? I want to make it to heaven. Uh, in John chapter 4, verse 27, I'll let you sit because i got several verses to read here. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he taught with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or, or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, pot, went her way into the city and said to the men. I love this part of the verse. She said, come see a man that told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then... They went out of the city and came to him. But in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? But Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look up at the fields. For they are already white for harvest. That means they are ready to pick. They are ready for the taking. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. That both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Jeremiah 8.20 The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. So I just want to look this morning for just a few minutes on attitudes that hinder the harvest. Now, if you want to know what an attitude is, an attitude is defined as inward feelings that eventually are expressed in the outward way. So in other words, after a while, what is inside of you is going to come out. So in other words, if you have somebody that's living angry and bitter after a while, they can't keep them inward attitudes inward anymore. They are going to make an outward expression of that, and that's when their attitude comes out. That's why you tell people, say, man, you got a rotten attitude. You got a bat. Your attitude stinks. What you are seeing is what has been hid inside of them that is finally coming out. Attitudes can't be hidden very long by anyone. We can try, but after a while, they're going to surface. Sooner or later, an attitude surfaces, and it will be displayed for everyone to see that comes in contact with us. But today, I want us to notice that there are some hindering attitudes where the harvest of souls is concerned. When I refer to harvest today, I am referring to those that are waiting to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is our job to go out into the field. We taught last week, go, therefore go, 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 for the Lord is sending us into the fields. He, and I preached on taking it to the streets. Today we're going the same path almost, but today we're going to the harvest, and we are looking for those that are ready to come to Jesus. How many of you know there's people that are looking for peace and hope in this life? Do you remember where you were before Jesus saved you and there was a yearning inside of you that said, I don't understand, but drinking liquor isn't doing it for me. Doing drugs doesn't do it for me. Going out to parties doesn't do it for me. There was something inside of you that was missing. And praise God, when you found Jesus, you said, that is exactly what I've been looking for. Has anybody ever ate time drive-in? 
Oh, somebody will shout hallelujah. Give me some gravy on the side. Half and half. I was cutting grass the other day. There was a yearning in me. I knew I wanted something. There are some times that we can pinpoint what we want. I hate days that I know I want something. I just don't know what I want. Anybody ever been there? You go to the refrigerator, you eat about a thousand calories, you're still full, and then you just keep eating because you're trying to find what, what you want on the inside. And so you eat half the house. I was cutting the grass the other day. I got really, really hot, and I was just tired. I'm getting hungry. I walk in the house and said, honey, get your clothes on. We're going. Where, where, where are we going? I'm going to time drive-in. I've got a yearning for some time drive I get there, me and Branson are driving, and me and him, I make a comedy out of it. But I kept calling them and they kept saying, busy, 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 busy. User busy. And I said, well, this ain't going to work for me because I've got a yearning. I've got to get to this. This is what I want. I want a double cheeseburger combo, half and half, gravy on the side. There is nothing else in this world right now that will do. You say something else, it makes me feel nauseous. That is exactly what I want. And thank God, I called over a hundred times just to pick with Branson. Literally, we called over a hundred times. And finally, we just went. We were patient, went, got a sweet tea from McDonald's, came back and got our order. About 15 minutes later, everything worked out. I'm happy. The family's happy. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. The point is that I... I got what I was yearning for. If there's somebody watching today or somebody sitting in this building today and you've been trying to figure life out and you don't know what you're looking for, I'm going to tell you as soon as you find Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, everything in your life is going to change. You're going to say, I know what it was now. That's exactly who I needed. That's exactly what I wanted. That's what Jesus does when He comes into your life and saves you. Praise the Lord. But there's some attitudes that are, that are hindering this harvest. And in the story of this woman at the well that you're very familiar with, there's a number of attitudes in this story that are displayed by the disciples. I'm going to say that again. The attitudes were displayed by the disciples. The attitudes did not come from the world. The attitude did not come from sinners. The attitude came from the disciples. The problem with the world being saved is not sinners. The problem with the world not being saved is Christians. Oh, come on somebody. I mean, are sinners supposed to go out into the harvest field and, and get other sinners? Of course not. It is Christian. So if anything has hindered the harvest, we can blame it on the president like everything else that they want to blame him for. We can blame it on Washington. We can blame it on the church. We can blame it on the overall church of God. It's the organization. It's Tim Hill up there in Cleveland, Tennessee in his office. You can say whatever you want to. You can come up with any number of reasons. But at the end of the day, the local harvest falls on the responsibility of the local church. So if anybody is filling the harvest, it is me, it is you. So God is calling us and saying, we've got to check our attitude. We've got to check our mentality. How do we view the harvest? How can we reach the harvest? I'm going to give you some attitudes that will hinder this. Number one, the first attitude is when somebody says, there is no harvest. Shame on us if we think there is no harvest. When you read about the disciples, they seem surprised that Jesus walks to a well with this lady that nobody knows. She's a Samaritan woman and he sees potential in her. Her. Nobody else sees the potential. Peter, James, and John don't see the potential. But when Jesus looks at her, he sees potential. And he sees a lady that if I can get her to come to me, she's going to leave this water pot. She's going to be one of the best witnesses this town has ever seen. And sure enough, Jesus seeing potential in her as soon as she got saved. She ran through the city and said, you need to come see this man. My God. That is why they tell us it's so important to get new people, new blood. Because when you get new blood... They invite new people. It's proven. It's a fact. It happens. I've seen it. You've seen it. And so this woman, as soon as she comes to Christ and gets saved, she immediately is so excited about her salvation that she runs out there. Listen, don't label people before you know them. Listen, this lady, she wasn't, she wasn't in, the, in, in the clique, all right? She's a dirty Samaritan. I'll talk about that a little later, but she's an outcast. But Jesus was tuned into the fact that there are souls at stake. Where the disciples, they seem, according to my text, they seem more concerned with the food that Jesus is going to eat. Has anybody fed Jesus? They're more concerned about their time drive-in burger, if I can say it that way, just to get you interested. They're more interested in their burger or their fried chicken than they are the hunger that is inside the souls of men. And so Jesus looks at them and says, there's a problem here. Jesus informs him. He says, I have food to eat of 
which you do not know. See, Jesus was feeding off of the spiritual man. See, I want you to understand. I would rather starve physically than starve spiritually and die without Jesus. So Jesus wants him to understand, even if you are hungry in your physical man, that is well and fine. But you've got to make sure that the spiritual man is fed. This body is going to die, but this soul is going to live on forever. So starve me if you want to, but as long as I've got Jesus on my side, I'm going to be all right. So there's a blatant denial among us Christians. I'm preaching to the church folks today. There's a blatant denial among the church-going crowd that there is a harvest. I want want you to see this. We have become, I called it last week, four walls religion. Anybody remember that term? Four walls religion. Taking it to the streets. Four walls religion. We have become isolated, all right, within our four walls. Um, You know, (laughs) can I tell you when you know that a church has become isolated, to communities, are you ready for this? If you invite, and six miles is a small town. So if you go in six miles and there's somebody from here and they don't know where our church is, we have ultimately failed. Some of you caught that, some of you missed it. But that was a pretty powerful statement. Under 700 people live in this, in this, in this uh, six mile South Carolina. Every person in this county should know where Gap Hill Church of God is. If they don't, we have failed them. So if you were to ask... If you were to ask 10 people to come to church next Sunday and only two people told you, oh yeah, I know where Gap Hill is. The other eight are saying, where are y'all located at? That means that 80% of the people that we've invited from our community don't even know where our church is. What kind of an impact have we made? So what God is wanting us to understand right here is this. We cannot remain isolated. Because this ministry is not just for this ministry. This ministry is not just for these members. We're not a four-wall religion church. We've got to be one that reaches out beyond. We're taking it to the streets. where We're not going to hinder the harvest. We want to go out. The, the fields are ready. So we are wanting to go out and we are wanting to win people for Jesus Christ. Have we become an isolated church? Or have we made such an impact on our community that when you say our name, everybody knows exactly where? we are I I just want you to think about that that's a powerful point that was just made there think about that we live in our own world surrounded by the godly and are seldom anywhere near sinners see I want you to understand there's people that are dying in the shadow of our steeple right here and right now I've had people tell me well I don't want to invite those people because I used to run with them or I used to sin with them well my God you ought to invite them then because if anybody knows that you've been changed they'll know it if you were their friend and y'all used to run together and you were the, the, the biggest dog in the crowd that was a sinner and did the bad things, when they recognize that you've come to Jesus, your countenance is going to look different, you're going to talk different, you're going to act different, and when they see you, they're going to say, my God, there's a God in heaven because I never thought that boy would change. I thought he'd always be wild and crazy. Surely there's a God. I'm going to go down there and see what this Jesus is all about. See, when this Samaritan lady got saved, the Bible says that she has five husbands. The one she's with isn't even her own. She is literally living a life like a, a, she's a whoremonger. I mean, she's an adulteress. She has done this multiple, multiple times. She's known by the men of the city by now. This lady doesn't have a good reputation, a, a good reputation, ladies and gentlemen. She does not have a good reputation. But yet Jesus saves her, and when he saves her, all of a sudden she goes to the same crowd that she used to run with. And immediately when they saw her, they knew that this lady had been changed by the power of God. Is there anybody in this house that believes that God still has the power to change men and to change women and to, my God, to save them? from their sins and deliver them and set them free see we, we are very seldom around the sinners but, but when I read about Jesus and this is what's interesting to me Jesus literally went to where the sinners were I want you to think about that Jesus did not set up camp in the synagogue and be like alright guys y'all come on I'm going to preach to you y'all can get saved Jesus multiple times was how can I say it? rebuked by the Pharisees because he was in the house of people he shouldn't have been in. They're sinners. They're unclean. 
What are you doing in Simon's house? He doesn't deserve you in here. They always picked at him like a scab until they would try to rip it back because he said he lived and dwelt among sinners. Maybe we've got this thing wrong. Maybe we as Christians have become clicky. And maybe we've self-isolated ourselves. i got to hang around my group, around my crowd. And we have excluded ourselves from sinners. No wonder the church is not reaching them anymore. Jesus went to their houses. See, somebody please understand. Now, I don't want somebody to call me talking about, Hey, come pick up D. He come out here to the bar and was trying to witness and got drunk. Preacher, come get him out of jail. I'm not talking about that kind of ministry. All right? We don't want that. You know what I'm trying to tell you. You have, listen, don't treat sinners like they're some kind of person with leprosy and disease. Matter of fact, the people in the Bible that had leprosy, everybody ran from them. Jesus went and laid hands on them and healed them and got them saved. He was showing us we've got to be willing to go to where they are. We cannot get isolated thinking there is no harvest. Because there is a harvest. Proverbs chapter 10 and 5. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. But look, he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shames. The disciples look at him and say, why in the world are you even talking to this woman? You know, I've had people say things to me such as this before. And it, it really, it disturbs me. But, you know, we all have our sphere of friends. That means our circle, our sphere of influence is what it's called. That means that we're here and there's people that are around us, right? We know the people we talk to, the people we click with. I've told people before, you need to invite somebody to church. And they looked at me and said, I don't have anybody to invite. All my friends go to church. Do you see how isolated we've become? There is no way that you can convince me that on a daily basis that I don't come in contact with people that don't know Jesus and don't have a home church. You can't convince me of that. My direct sphere, the people that have my cell phone number and the people that I have their cell, and I call them. I know who they are, but I'm talking about people that I don't know their number. I'm talking about people that I come in contact with. I'm talking about the Dollar General checkout lane, and it's not busy. And I say, hey, you know, I pastor down here at Gap Hill. Would you like to come to church this Sunday? I'm talking about those people. That we, Those are the harvest, ladies and gentlemen. They are all around us. That is why God said, look around you. See, see, oh my God, let me hurry. Number two, the second hindrance is there is a limited harvest. While some acknowledge, well, there is a harvest, they often limit it by saying there is a harvest, but not them, not there, not here. See, we limit them. Not, 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 now, now, there's people who need to be saved, but not him. We can't have him. We can't have her. Listen, when we start pointing people out and judging them and saying they don't belong in the harvest, shame on us. Jesus went and taught that this prostitute lady, he goes in the house of sinners. He's always there where nobody thinks he should be. But the sole purpose is to win them for the kingdom of the Father and do the Father's will. So don't tell me that just because they don't look like me, just because they don't talk like me, just because they don't sound like me, that they're not part of the harvest. Brother, they are part of the Do not limit the harvest. It has been said according to statistics that every church basically develops each other. So in other words, we get a church that the same people come to the same outfit. Everybody kind of has the same values. Everybody looks the same. Everybody, But that's not what heaven's going to look like. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be surprised that some of the people that are there are there. And some of the people we thought were going to be there aren't going to be there. When you walk into church that's really fulfilling the Great Commission, man, it looks so different. I mean, it's crazy how different it looks. People with different values, they look differently, they have a different talk. Everything is different. Let us not fall into this place that we say there is a limited harvest. God wants to save them all. He was emphatic. He put emphasis in in Matthew 28. I read it last week. Go therefore and make disciples from all nations. You baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. He gives us a message, a message 
message is not inclusive. He does not get selective in who to go to. He simply says you go, go, go. We talked about it last week. You go into the highways. You go into the hedges. You go down homeless alley. You go to the drug pusher. You win them. Bring them in so that my house may be full. Have we limited the harvest? Have we limited the harvest. I want us to think about this today. My God. So, so the woman of Samaria, as I try to dig in just a little more, she is a, a half-breed. She's an outcast. As a matter of fact, it's known as selective evangelism when we do that. It is amazing how that people would give to a mission. If, if we were to do a mission right now, and I'd be like, oh, there's some souls that need saved in Africa. And there's a pastor over there. He wants to preach a meeting. It's going to cost him 500 USD dollars. Is there anybody in here we can try to raise that money? You'd be surprised how many of us would pull out our wallet, we would go online, we would donate our money to save some native in Africa. But if that same guy was to walk into our, are you ready for it? If he was to walk in our doors uh, next Sunday morning, that same guy, we'd be slipping down our pews. I mean, who in the world does he think he is up in here? Are, 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 are y'all still with me today? It's called selective evangelism God tells us don't do that don't do that. I mean we'd have security on him immediately but we'd send the money God is wanting us to change our mentality God is not wanting us to limit the harvest because the moment that we limit the harvest we limit the growth of the church the moment that we limit the harvest these pews cannot be full this house of God cannot be full it is only when we say there are no strings attached we are going after souls we don't care what color they are we don't care how they act we don't care what their name is in the community all we want to do is get them to Jesus come see a man that saved me and my God if he can save me he can save you too somebody give God a, a hand clap of praise in this house today my God in Acts 10 Peter God showed Peter that he's no respecter of, heart, of, of persons you remember that Peter went to the rooftop and he shows him clean animal unclean animal and he wants to show him that there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. There is more harvest than Israel. There is more harvest than just the Jews. He lets Peter know there's a whole other nation uh, which Paul would reach. It was called the Gentiles. Now that may not mean much to you, but Gentiles were, were dogs. They were unworthy. They were like the Samaritans. And see, you've got to understand that we're Gentiles. Any full-blooded Jews up in this place today? I don't see any of you. Listen, I don't care what Ancestry.com said. There ain't no full-blooded Jews in this place. <laughs> My God, Hammer, I could have said something there, but I am not going there. I know some of you can ask me after church. You can. I'll just keep you interested. Can I say something right here? I, I, I just want to tell you this. My God. So God says, I want you to understand, you are the Gentiles. So that means, thank God for Paul, that said at one point there's this beautiful tree, and this tree represents the Jews. I've come so that the Jews might be saved. But thank God for a guy named Apostle Paul that wrote in the Bible, and he said, but now God has grafted into this tree another branch. And this branch is not just for the Jews, it's a whole other nation of people. They're dogs, they're outcasts, they've always been considered lowly, they're not my people like the apple of my mind, but now guess what the Gentiles that once were outcasts they now are part of the harvest my God aren't you glad that Jesus came and picked you hallelujah there's alright hurry Jimmy I got two more points number three with, with all the workers in the harvest this is an attitude that, that hurt us with all the workers in the harvest surely God doesn't need me Y'all got that? That's a mentality that says somebody else will do it. But I preached to you last week, it is not the great suggestion. It is the great commission. It is not a suggestion, it is a command. And God said to every believer, see this mentality, pastor can do it, doesn't work. It don't work. It doesn't work. The mentality that we pay staff to do that and because we pay people, let them reach the harvest. It doesn't work here. Now, if you want to say we pay pastor to preach and he needs to preach, I'm fine with that. I agree with you. But when it comes to the harvest and reaching 
outside of these four walls. Let me ask you something. If you've got one person doing it or you've got 200 people doing it, I want to ask you what kind of impact you think we can have with 200. What kind of impact could we have if everyone in this church, even this week, if every one of us would build up the goal to go to somebody and invite them to church, if we could just do that, every one of us, there's a possibility that we'd actually have to use the overflow gym next week. Is somebody with me today? But if we don't invite them, if we don't tell them to come, then what in the world are, are we ignorant enough to believe that if we don't tell them to come, they're just going to pop in one Sunday morning? God, I'm preaching today. Hallelujah. We have developed stigmas in our churches. We've developed stigma as organizations. We've got people, I invite people to the Church of God sometimes, they'd be talking about, y'all handle snakes up in there. I'm like, what year was that? Because it ain't since I've been in this thing. And if it is, I'm leaving. Because I ain't doing snake handling. People have developed a stigma of who they think we are. There's people that have developed stigmas against Pentecostal churches. They think we're crazy. They think I cut flips from the pulpit, which I may do it one Sunday. But anyhow, that's beside the point. I don't do it every week. They think we're going to hang from the speakers or something. They, they had a bad experience. We get stigmas on us. So what we have to do is we have to invite people. The only way that we can get that stigma gone is if we can get them in the house of the Lord in a pew and let them see we ain't crazy like they thought we were. We aren't going to bring out the snakes like they thought we were. All right? Somebody ought to shout hello. Now, pastor may preach with a fake snake one Sunday. I've done that. But we ain't bringing out real. We've got these stigmas that are developed. How in the world is the world going to know? Sinners going to know? How does the community know that that's not who we are? Unless we tell them. Unless we invite them. Unless we work to get them in the house of God. And then they get in here and say, man, that wasn't so bad. I enjoyed that singing. I enjoyed that playing. Maybe they enjoyed that preaching. Maybe God changes their life. Do you understand? We have to change our mentality. Because when we have the ideology that somebody else is going to do the job, we are losing souls to hell every day. See, see let me show you this. Matthew 9, 37. He said, the harvest truly is plentiful. That means it's not limited. But, somebody say but. Don't y'all love when people say that? Like you have somebody telling you, oh, this is a good deal. And you're like, what's the catch? But. That's what you want to hear after the but. The words after the but. So he says, the harvest is plentiful. You see this wheat field, it is ready. I mean, it's ready for the picking. He says, but the laborers are few. That means there is a harvest, but there is a lack of manpower, and that is a huge problem. If you don't get anything else I say today, I want you to grab these words. The problem has never been the harvest. The harvest has always been there. The problem has been the laborers. The problem has been the people that will go out and get them. It's the workers. It's not the harvest. That's not a problem. The harvest has always been there. My God, hallelujah to the Lamb. In Matthew 9, 38, I'm going to show you this. Jesus instructed his disciples. He says, so therefore you pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into his harvest. God, give us more workers. God, give us more laborers. God, give us more people that are willing to work and get it done in order to win the harvest. Give us people that when they do their job, before they even start, it's not just another Sunday morning, I'm just going to do it. It is God, let me today do my job 110%. When I leave this place, if, I, if I'm playing the guitar, I'm going to do my best. If I'm in the sound room, I'm going to do my best. If I'm the one preaching the gospel behind the pulpit, I'm going to do my best for Jesus. We have to have that mentality because what we do matters. And what we do is either going to change the world or it's going to keep people away from Jesus Christ. So my God, give us more laborers and workers that will say, my God, whatever I can do to win the harvest, let me do it for you. I was reading the survey the other day. I'm big on numbers. And there was a survey the other day. And the two biggest obstacles for every church was this. First off, 
they complained about not having enough funding. I'm going to shout hallelujah because as a leader, you can always use more money, all right? There's stuff that needs to be done right now. I wish somebody would just get excited and write a million-dollar check. We'd get it done. We'd start immediately. I'm serious. We'd start. Money. Anybody here need more money? I mean, anybody want more money? I mean, seriously, couldn't you use some more money? I mean, my Lord, money's always been an issue. We, we do stuff around our house all the time. And it's funny, sometimes I tell you, we just got to slow down a little bit here. I got to give me a month or two. Let's, you know, let's, let's work out this thing. Just do a little bit of time. You know why? Because I don't want to spend unlimited resources everything I got in my yard, all right? I, I don't want to spend unlimited resources on one area. I want to keep some because I like eating time drive-in burgers doubled. We have to balance. We have to budget. We don't just spend all we have. So money has always been an issue. So with the church, they said, if we could have more money, we could get more done for the kingdom of God. I can't say that I don't agree with that. But the other thing was this. In most all churches, they said, we need more volunteers. We need What they are saying in essence is we need more laborers. So my question to you today is very simple. Are you a laborer? I'm not talking about in the church. I'm not talking about helping bring people in. I'm not talking about the greeting team. I want to ask you, are you a laborer in the harvest field of our Lord? That's all I need to know. Because if you can be a laborer and a volunteer to do anything, I'll put you on the harvest before anything else. Because that's the most important thing. Is can we reach that harvest? Am I witnessing to people? Am I telling people about Jesus? But as long as we keep the mentality that there's enough workers and I don't have to do anything, we can't win them. There's a shortage of harbor, a harvest labor force. Somebody else has to carry the load. So in other words, if you have two people and you go to pick up something and it says you need help with this teamwork, load, whatever they put on there, it means there needs to be somebody else on the other end. You try to pick it up yourself, it gets a lot heavier. But when you get that extra person, it helps. It's the same way in winning the harvest. If you got one or two trying to do it, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to take us years. I mean years. But if everybody joins in and says, we're, after, we're going after the harvest, it can happen in a week. It can happen in a month. We have to change the mentality of how we see the harvest. And I'll close with this last point, and I think this is so detrimental to us today. Another attitude that will hurt us is there is plenty of time to reach the harvest. That will, I'm telling you folks, there is plenty of time to reach harvest. In John 9, 4, Jesus said it this way to his disciples. He said, I know the works of the one that sent me. And I've got to do the works of the one that sent me while it is day. For the night is coming when no one can work. It's getting darker outside, folks. Have you not noticed? Just look around you. Just watch the news. That's right, hallelujah to the land. You look at Portland, Oregon. You look all around at the chaos that's going on. Buildings being destroyed. Small business owners crying tears because everything they worked for in one night was vandalized and done away with, burned to the ground. I'm telling you, it's getting dark in this world. So don't you tell me we got plenty of time. I'm looking at the signs around me. I see Matthew 24 being accomplished more every day that I live. And I'm telling you, I understand more now than ever that we are getting closer and closer to the second coming of our Lord Jesus. Some of you, you've never seen anything like this. You've never experienced anything like this. You look at our news and you think we're a third world country over there in Iran or something. What I'm telling you, God, wake up the church let us realize that the harvest is ready all God needs is some laborers to go out there and we're running out of time we're running out of time to win the harvest and that's why God must give us a burden and he must do it now all right Chevy let's go to John 435 I'll read this to you I, I, we read it first but I want you to grab it again so Jesus tells his disciples that day at Jacob's well he said, do you, he said, do you not say, there are still four months, you got it, four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I'm saying, do you lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are, are already white for harvest. In other words, what God is telling us is that this cannot wait four months. It is urgent. 
There is a sense of urgency in the air. God is calling us to a place and He is saying, you've got to pick the harvest. Do you understand? I told you, my father used to plant about five acres of garden every single year. We fed the community with that garden. I've told you that. One of the things that my father taught me is there's a time to plant and there's a, there's a time to sow, there's time to plant it, but there's also a time to reap it. And if you allow the fruit or the veggie or whatever it is that you're planted, if you allow it to grow on the vine, do you know that it can stay on the vine? And if you don't pick it, what will it do? It dies on the vine. So what God is doing is giving us a mentality. This cannot wait for four months. Because if you wait four months, there's some people right now in the harvest field that are white. They're ready to harvest. They're prepared. They are waiting for you to invite them to church. And as soon as you do, that longing inside of them, they're going to recognize it and say, maybe, maybe I should give Jesus a try. I haven't never went to church. Maybe, maybe church is the answer. God says they're on the vine. They are ready to harvest. But if we wait four months, they may die on the vine. So God says there's a sense of urgency. I may die today and not be able to reach the harvest anymore. Today may be my last sermon. They may die today. And I may never have another opportunity to reach them. That is why God says it's time to change your mentality and your attitude about the harvest. And every time you see somebody that doesn't know Jesus, you need to think to yourself, they're ready to pick. If I don't do it now, I may never get an opportunity to do it again. Because truly, it could, it could be the last day, the last opportunity that you have. While we live as if there's no hurry, no urgency, souls are slipping into eternity by the second Contrary to what we may think, we have little time to reach the harvest. We cannot afford to miss out on opportunities when God gives us. That's why James said, come now. You who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to such a city. We'll spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen on tomorrow. For what is your life? It's a vapor. It appears a little time and then it just vanishes away. Jesus could come today and people that are lost would die and go to hell. The question is, what have I done with the harvest? What have you done with the harvest? Play, I, I want to give you this story. I, I want to give you this story. I, I, I don't, want, don't want you to miss this. I was reading it yesterday. There is this weeping mother as the house is on fire. She's weeping as she's running towards the burning home. Because inside of this burning home is her four-year-old son. His name is Johnny. On her way into... To get to the house, two firemen restrain her. It's up in flames. There's no way that this boy can be saved. To which the mother, having a mother's heart, says, I'm going in, I'm going in. And finally they say, J -j just stop. We'll go in. We'll go in. We'll risk our life. What's his name? His name's Johnny. All right. I'll go in there. And she begins to scream, somebody please save Johnny. Somebody please save Johnny. Somebody please just save my boy Johnny. And these two brave firefighters run into a blazing house that could collapse at any moment. And they grab little Johnny Wesley from the fire. He became the circuit rider preacher. His name was John. His name's Johnny. We call him John Wesley. They had no idea that the child that they had saved from the fire was going to be the greatest evangelist of his time. But that's what John Wesley was. And he won a pile of people to the harvest. Won other people that would be pre My God, you don't know it. But I feel like God is screaming to us. And he's saying, please save them from the fire. Please save them from the fire. They're about to fall in the hell. Would somebody please rescue them? God is calling us. You don't know. Maybe the person you pull from the fire may be the next Billy Graham. It may be the next John Wesley. You have no idea who you're saving from the fire. Oh, God. Let's stand. I'm closing. I'm closing, God. Oh, I hope you feel my heart today. I hope you feel my heart today. I hope you feel my burden today. The person I reach, the person that comes to church, 
the person that decides to give Jesus their life, that person may go on to change the world. The person that, you know, won Billy Graham to Jesus that day that he gave the altar call, I know the guy's name. If I were to see it, I'd recognize it. But as far as really, like, right off the bat, I've read the story numerous times, but just knowing his name right off the bat, there's no recollection of his name. But he's the guy that gave the altar call. And Billy Graham got saved. One untold millions of people to Jesus Christ. I cannot tell you the preacher's name that day, right here and right now. But I can tell you who Billy Graham is. What I'm telling you is this. That the preacher that we don't even know his name right now. When he gets to heaven, God is not only going to reward him for winning Billy Graham. He's going to reward him for all the people that Billy won. Because had it not been for that altar call. Had it not been for that little country preacher that gave the altar call and Billy Graham got saved. Those millions of people could have died and went to hell. Aren't you glad that that man had a heart for the harvest? We've got to change our mentality, folks. We've got to get out of a mindset that all I do is come to church and they serve me. We've got to get out of a men mentality that I pay my dues of tithes and this country club mentality. We've got to get out of that. We've got to get out of it. Because at the end of the day, the reason we pay our tithes, the reason we give in our offerings, the reason we volunteer for the church, it's for the harvest. Could we reevaluate ourselves today? Could we check our attitudes towards the harvest? Do we really care like we claim we do? How many hours have we, have we spent away with God crying for a lost man or woman to be saved? How much love do we have? How much compassion have we really shown the world around us? See, we've already lost some to the harvest because of our self-righteousness. That's right. We've lost some to the harvest because of our inclusiveness. Our clickiness. We've lost some in the churches because of our pride. We've lost some because of our lack of prayer and concern. We've lost some because we wanted our way. And we didn't want to do it God's way. Our churches have fought long enough. There are those that have fought over things that really quite frankly don't even matter. And while they did that, guess what happened? People died and went to hell. The harvest that died right there on the wheat just died because they didn't reach them. They were too concerned about getting it their way. They were too concerned about protecting their church from those kind of people. They were too busy with these other things when in reality what God was trying to tell them was, listen, it is not about us. It is about them. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So, today, I'm closing. I just got to know what's your attitude towards the harvest? Have you made a difference in those that have been around you? At your job, at Walmart, wherever you go, have people recognized that you're a believer? Have, people, have you even told them? Do they even know? Would they be able to guess it by the way you act, by the way you treat them? I'm just saying our mentality has to change. Even when we go out to eat and the waitress is getting on our nerves that we keep our attitude in check and we don't treat her badly. And so I'm going to show this woman she's not getting a tip today, bless God, because she's, she's the only waitress in the whole place and she's working as hard as she can. Two kids at home. Her husband left, left her last week and she's all alone just trying to provide. She's working as hard as she can. Sweat's running down her face. Are you with me today? She's wearing this mask. Can't even hardly breathe. I'm telling you, she's about to die of oxygen, lack of oxygen. And because of our attitude towards her, she says to people, the worst people I ever serve are the church people. I hate it when the church people come in. No wonder we can't win the harvest. God help us. We have killed ourselves. The reason our churches have died is because of our attitude towards those that need us to reach them. It's our fault. It's nobody else's fault. It's our fault. It's our fault. And we can't blame people for... Listen, we can't blame somebody else for our community. This is our community, bless God. It's our community to win. It's our community to reach. Don't blame it on the church down the road. It's us. 
God, change my mentality. Change the way I think. Father, today I thank you for this service. Lord, I want to thank you for everyone here today. As we lift holy hands and we praise you, I want you to do something for us right now. I want you to change our way of thinking. Every time that I see somebody in the world, let me see them as a man that's on fire about to go to hell. If they don't know you, let me see them as harvest. Let me see them as someone that I better tell about Jesus because it may be the last time that they ever hear it. That conversation that I get into and we're having a good conversation and the door just opens and it's a perfect time for me to just say, you know what, uh, you know, I go to this church. And they, would you come? When you give me that opportunity and I'm feeling comfortable with that person, I feel that door open. Help me not to sit there and say, well, not today. I'll wait another day. Maybe, maybe I'll get another opportunity. Maybe next time because when we do that, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and a lot of times we don't even try again because we never see them again change my mentality get us out of four wall religion let us go outside to the streets let us do the great commission let us have a mentality that everyone, the whole world is who you intend to save and help today Could we lift our hands right now? Could you just ask God, change me? Could you just ask God, change me? Lord, change me. Lord, change me. Lord, change me. It's so hard to say. Because we're right. I know I'm right. I'm right. But God, I need you to change me. Because my attitude has not been right. I haven't seen people through your eyes. I haven't seen people and felt them the compassion that you felt when the crowds came around you. And you were moved with compassion because they needed a Savior. And they were like sheep without a shepherd. Give me that heart. Amen.